Hello, everybody. Welcome to Multimedium. I'm your host, Willie, and with me is my illustrious co-host, Mr. Tim Long. Tim Long, how are you, buddy? Hey, what's the last thing we did on here? Uh, we last did Battle Royal. That's right. Yes. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Royal, lots of fun. Uh, go check that one out if you haven't already. We talk about the um, original novel Battle Royale by uh, author Kushin Takami, and we talk about uh, Kenji Fukasaku's uh, film adaptation. Lots of fun. If you're just joining us for the first time, um, that's definitely a good one to check out. Actually, I think all of our episodes are good ones to check out. I'm proud of everything we've done here at Multimedium. Um, yes. If uh, you don't want to go check those out, I'll tell you what the show's all about right now. Um, we cover adaptations. Um, and what we like to do is do all different shapes, sizes, colors, textures, every kind of adaptation you could possibly think of. Um, everything from your classic kind of book-to-movie adaptation. We've done Jurassic Park, for instance. Um, we've done things a little crazier, like a board game-to-movie with Clue. We've even done a video game-to-novelization. We did. So we're getting... We're, <laughs> we, we get all sorts of crazy. Um, this time around, we'll be talking about a toy line, which is a first for us. Um, we've delved into Ninja Turtles in the past, but we were talking about the comic book uh, back then. This time around, we're going to be talking about a toy line as the genesis for a project, and that is, of course... Masters of the Universe. Uh, you may know it more recognizably as He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which was the very, very, very popular um, cartoon uh, that was kind of created as a tie-in to the toy line. Yes. Um, but we are not talking about the cartoon eh, too much today. I'm sure it'll get brought up. Um, what we're specifically discussing is that original toy line, which had its own storyline, uh, its own kind of separate storyline uh, from the, uh, the the cartoon, much in the same way I would say that um, uh, the Ninja Turtles comic book was similar in some ways in its basic plot, but very different tonally uh, from the cartoon that made that series popular. I think there's a pretty good comparison to be made there, don't you, Tim? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah and around the same time as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 He-Man was, I think, uh, I think Turtles was kind of the thing to... I don't want to say kill He-Man because it had nothing to do with the He-Man popularity dying off. It just it was the next big thing I think post Masters of the Universe and Transformers. Masters and Transformers I feel like were around the same time. Yeah, so I would have. This is before my time. I'll say that like the yeah, He-Man, not by a ton. Yeah, the He-Man, the, like the toys and stuff were before my time. Sure. And but I remember I my the first like bi- the thing that I was into. I had He-Man toys, but like, yeah, the too. first yeah. big thing I was into was Ninja Turtle toys. Sure. So that was, it was and kind I had of the Transformers. Next, yes, but, the next wave, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the toy line. Um, and then we will be digging into the film adaptation of Masters of the Universe, which um, is kind of its own, well, we'll get into it, it's its own beast. Um, that was released in 1987 by the Canon Group. I can't wait to talk about Canon. <laughs> but let's kick things off with, um, let's talk about the toy line first, because that was the, the genesis of Masters of the Universe, of He-Man, of Skeletor, and all those guys. Um, Masters of the Universe was created by Mattel, major, major toy company responsible for uh, a lot of toys. Um, I think, uh, I think Barbie. Barbie. Yep. 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 Lots of very popular toys. Um, still around. I think they were absorbed by Hasbro at this point. That I believe right. that they are currently owned by Hasbro. But I believe the Mattel sub-brand is still a thing. I'm fairly certain. Um, it's a pretty valuable brand. I would assume that they kept that You want to keep it around. Yeah. Yep. Um, these were created in 1981 and then released in 1982. So like Tim was saying, a little before our time. Um, these were actually originally developed, um, 
not as a um, as a straight uh, toy line for the Conan, the Barbarian comic books by Frank Frazetta, but they were definitely inspired by those. And I think that some of the prototype work that had gone into these toys was with the intention of perhaps being able to release a Conan toy line. Um, interestingly enough, there was a kind of He-Man ripoff toy line that was a Conan toy line released later okay. alongside a cartoon that was not very good. But it was actually... Um, so it's funny how it's like... I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the Conan, the Conan creators or who had the rights to Conan, didn't they actually sue the Mattel mm-hmm. company because it's so similar? Like, Eternia is so similar to... There are a lot of similarities there, for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, the toy line was really developed to be competition with uh, what was the most massively popular toy line at the time and for many years, Star Wars from Kenner, um, who I believe is also owned by Hasbro now. Um, I'm pretty sure um, these were developed specifically to compete with those those toys because they were massively popular. And didn't did the head of Mattel turn down the start like when Lucas came to him? Was that a story too that I yeah, remember? Yeah, um, basically every major toy company at the time, Mattel, Hasbro, all those major, uh, turned down Star Wars. Uh, they weren't interested, and the reason being, um, toy companies, and this makes a lot of sense, they wanted toy lines that. Um, were continuously going to be popular and have a continuous tie-in. That's why they wanted toy lines tied to cartoons. Because okay. every week a kid would be watching the cartoon and would be it'd be a way to introduce new toys. Yep. Uh, it would be a way to keep interest alive. When a movie comes out, especially back then, a movie would be out in theaters for however long and be gone, and you would never see it again until VHS kind of became what it did. But like Star Wars obviously was a different beast. Um, Star Wars played in theaters for... Like, <laughs> years um so uh i see why they turned it down but god i bet they beat themselves up on that one yes yeah and i think that probably played a big role in them trying to make their own (laughs) their own their their answer to it yeah for sure absolutely well kenner was this tiny little toy company when they took over the star when they took the star wars line right they were making a lot of ripoff toys of what the big boys were doing and when star wars blew up kenner was like became a, a player you know um, if you're interested in any of this stuff, any of these toys and these the, the, the toy companies and the creation of these, there's a really fantastic, one of my favorite series actually, uh, on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And there's an episode on Star Wars and there's an episode on uh, on the Masters of the Universe toys, among others. It's, it's really a great show. I think it's really, really fun. Um, anyway, these were five and a half inch action figures, so not massively big, certainly not your uh, classic G.I. Joe size, but not as small as the little Star Wars guys. I was going to say, they were big for the time. Bigger they? and bulkier. Yeah. yeah. yeah they were, these were jacked. <laughs> uh, the He-Man figures were jacked. Well, then they remind me, and I don't, you might know more than me on this. They remind me, did they use the same, because Mattel made the WWF toys, like the pro wrestling toys after, yes. right? So did they use similar like molds and stuff? I, because, I don't know that for sure. I would not be shocked. Because yeah, what they yeah. do, like even the WWF toys, if I recall too, both of them, both them and the He-Man had kind of the spring action waist so you could like You could punch. make them like punch yes. or swing a sword or yes, exactly. You'd kind of cock them back and then let them go. Yeah, for sure. I would not, I, I don't know that to be a fact, but I would guarantee you these companies were reusing molds on everything. Right. And we'll talk about a really fun one, one that I really enjoy uh, the story behind up here pretty soon. Um, so uh, the first line of He-Man toys, that's what we're going to be dissecting. There were, there are almost, I mean, there are, is almost a decade's worth of original He-Man toys to talk about. We're not going to do that. We're going to cover specifically the first line was released in two batches. I, I, we'll call them wave one and wave two. Um, toy collectors and enthusiasts might be 
think I'm crazy for calling them waves because that could be a totally different thing. But that's what I'm going to call them. Uh, so that first line of toys, wave one, of course you had He-Man, right? Now, as we go through these toys, I want to talk about, did you have the toy? Were you a fan of the character? Um, or, you know, just a quick brief. If you, if as a child, did you have the toy, or you, did you like this this particular? When you saw it on the store shelves, if you saw it on the store shelves, probably bargain bins. By the time we were in toy stores, but um, were you a fan? I guess. Um, right. He Man. So was I? Was I a fan of He Man? Did you like He? Yeah. He. Uh, I should say he was known. He's known as the most powerful man in the universe. That's kind of his title, his his tagline, if you will. Right. Did you like He Man as a character? Were you Were you a fan? <laughs> When you All right. yeah. So let me let me try to run through like my history with yeah. He-Man because I had so I think I, I had a He-Man toy. Mm-hmm. One of the five and a half inch guys. Yeah, that, yeah and yeah, I yeah. believe it, but I don't know which wave it would have been. Yeah, honestly, because it's all like generally. So I had a like the the first toys that I ever tried to get like a bunch of were Ninja Turtles yeah. toys, Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters actually, like the cartoon Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So yes. those are the ones where I had like multiple, but like everything else was just kind of a random hodgepodge of stuff like that. My parents got me at like a garage sale or something. <laughs> like right, I, right. Where I would walk up and go, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Uh, like I think there's one, maybe two that I had like okay. as a kid, but I don't know where they were. So I did have a He-Man toy at some point. My exposure to the character, though, is like I vaguely remember the cartoon, but even that was kind of before my time a little bit, too. Uh-huh. Um, and I mainly remember the movie, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So uh, the the main thing I ha- remember from uh, He-Man is uh, the line in, where the kid, they're at Ghostbusters 2. They're at the kids' party. Hey, yeah, and they yeah, get mad because the Ghostbusters aren't He-Man. Who are you going to call He-Man? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So, that's good stuff. So that that's my main exposure to uh, to He-Man. Um, yeah, I mean, he's all right. He's kind of a, he's kind of a big Conan guy uh, before a kid can get into how awesome Conan the Barbarian is. Kind of the is. violence yeah. of it and stuff. Yeah, it's a, like, a, like a Conan light. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the cartoon much, so you might have to fill me in there. But I watched I watched the first episode of it on YouTube. I think the company that made the cartoon put them up for free on YouTube, and so I watched the first episode of it. It's it's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's quite an entertaining watch. And Skeletor is the man. But we'll get to Skeletor else. later. So yeah, that's my that's my thoughts. I, those are my that's my experience. Yeah. I should say with He Man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just briefly go through mine uh, before we continue on the toy line. I I had a handful of these. Um, I had He Man, Skeletor. Uh, they were all, none of them were new in box. They were all hand-me-downs, I think, from Cousins or probably purchased at, like you said, garage sales. None of them were new that I remember. I don't remember ever opening a He-Man toy up. Yeah, me um, either. I think everything I had was probably from Cousins who were over it at that point. Right. But uh, I was I liked it. I mean, I didn't watch the cartoon a ton. I'd seen episodes of it. The movie was kind of my real introduction to He-Man, weirdly enough, on the screen. Um but the toys were cool. I never got any of the comics because the comics were probably shredded by whoever gave it the toy to me by that point. Yeah. I, I'm sure I was missing plenty of the accessories. Um, but I had a lot of the, the, the... I'm looking through these characters, you know, and I had a handful of the first wave of them. Um, I know I had He-Man and Skeletor for sure, and I want to say I had Man-at-Arms. We'll go through them, but I had a handful of them. He-Man um, had, a, he had a shield and an axe. He came with a shield and... Yeah, we can look at these. We have uh, pictures of the toys. Bullet. We had, yeah, he had, a, he had a sword. Of course, it was one of the... You know the power swords. Um, so the power swords combined. The power swords combined with like him yes. and Skeletor would com- co- combine power swords. Yes, to be like the ultimate. They each had a, one half of the blade. You know, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, He-Man came with an axe and a, plenty and a, of stuff for kids to lose and pets to eat. <laughs> indeed, yes. And I had, I had dogs growing up. I think you did too. Yes. So um, next up in the line was Skeletor, the evil Lord of Destruction. Skeletor, of course, He-Man's. You know, he's the uh, the arch villain. He's the 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 um, Joker to He-Man's Batman. Right. He's you got to have Skeletor. If you, if you got He-Man, you got to have Skeletor, and vice versa. Um, we had He-Man's best bro, Man at Arms, the heroic Skeletor master I of had. weapons. Oh, sorry, Skeletor. I had. You had yes. Skeletor, awesome, yes. and he had a pretty. He had a sword, and he had a really cool uh, staff. Yes, the um, um, havoc staff. I think it's called. Yeah, right? it yeah. had a cool ram, ram's head skull on it thing. And what did he always do in the cartoon? He'd go, he, like, yeah, Skeletor. Is wild. <laughs> it's me. He called people royal boobs. He had a you bat- royal boob? <laughs> he had a battle harness, and there's this meme I saw. Uh, I love the memes. So, but yeah. he, had, he had the remove. You could remove it, and there's they go. Ooh, how'd you? There's a meme, and it's a, girl, a lady saying to a man, "How'd you learn how to uh, unsnap my bra so quick?" And then there's a shot of the Skeletor, the back of the Skeletor, the removable battle <laughs> so harness. So sweet. You look at so it. sweet. So true. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Um. Yeah, man at arms. I did have a. I did have a man at arms. Yeah, well. I, I don't. Remember. This is the guy. This is like the dude. Like he's like a dude. Yeah, he's got a mustache. He's got armor. He comes with a weird mace. He's in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, Beast Man, <laughs> who is Skeletor's savage henchman. Um, I did have a Beast Man. He had a whip. Beast Man, like you could do some deep diving into some, maybe some analysis on him. But yeah, he had a whip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he kind of ruled. Um. <laughs> There was, and then there was um, the the big one. I guess I, I guess a vehicle you could call it, Battle Cat. I had a Battle Cat. I, I had a Battle Cat yes. too. I had like none of his armor pieces. I just had the Green Tiger. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. I think my <laughs> I think my Battle Cat was like missing limbs too. Yeah, it was not in good shape. Um, the fun part about it, this is He Man's fighting tiger. He's a giant green tiger. Um, the fun part about Battle Cat is that the toy. <laughs> was just sculpted from an existing tiger figure and scaled up yeah. to be bigger. Or no, I'm sorry, it was not scaled up to be bigger. It was just, it was way too big for the line of five and a half inch toys because it was originally a tiger that was built for like a foot tall G.I. Joe doll. It was called Big Jim, right? Big Jim, yeah. yep. <laughs> and uh, they were like, well, this is way too big proportionally. And they're like, throw a saddle on it. <laughs> and, like, and that was Battle Cat. Amazing, amazing. How something was created out of just like, needing to get an extra toy in the line and yeah we need something he, something for he-man to ride on um <laughs> a giant cat <laughs> so sick uh let's see wave two of that first line was tila our first uh female character uh she's a heroic warrior goddess interestingly so tila tila was released with a a dual figure and a dual figure package with the sorceress okay because the company um did not think there was a uh um demand for female action figures which female action figures in general or just like among uh, among i guess among uh, the the boys didn't want to play with the girl the girl characters even if it was a boy property does that make sense yeah like even though it was like a male driven property he and he-man was marketed to boys primarily they felt that boys wouldn't want to play with tila or wouldn't want to buy tila because she was a girl okay so she had a she had a pretty rocking um snake headdress like a cobra headdress really rad yeah and she had a cool cobra staff once again i don't think i had any of those she was uh, uh she what was she she was the daughter of uh man, man at arms man yes. <laughs> she's the daughter yeah she's adopted pretty cool so that's nice um next up we have merman the evil ocean warlord <laughs> of course gotta have more stooges to fight right 
<laughs> always good to have like one of these like aquatic creatures or like yes, yeah, Skeletor had these like these kind of um I was gonna call them animorphs, but kind of like animorphs. They were like animal themed <laughs> yes. buff animal themed bad guys. Yeah. They are buff too, you're right. Yes. Um and then we had um next up in the line we had uh, another hero Stra- Stratos. The heroic winged warrior, kind of an eagle-looking dude. Um, I did not have Stratos or, or, or Merman for that matter. I've never seen Stratos in my life. Okay, <laughs> well there you have it. Every toy line's got to have that one guy, right? <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen. Actually, you know what? I've never seen Stratos, and I've never seen Zodak. Yeah, Zodak, who looks like Stratos, just kind of more naked than Stratos, <laughs> uh, like a repaint. Uh, who is the cosmic? The cosmic enforcer. Enfor- oh, Zodak. I got. I, I did some research on Zodak. He's like. He's kind of like Switzerland. He's in the middle. Yes, he's neutral. He's a he's, neutral character. Yes. I love it so much. Yeah, so he's not on either side. He's just kind of... you. Can, he feels like he's kind of like riding the fence, seeing how the War for Eternia plays out. Yeah, he's what gonna, a, what <laughs> He's going to jump on whatever what side ass. wins. That, you're so, what a Zodak. <laughs> um, the first line also included uh, a playset and a couple of vehicles. The Battle Ram Mobile Launcher was one of the vehicles. I did not have that vehicle. I can tell you that for a fact. Did not have the battle ram. And also the Wind Raider, which was the Assault Lander. It was more of a plane type. Yeah. So you had kind of a tank and a plane. I did not have either one of these. Yeah, I wonder because like the battle ram you could fire a missile on. Yes. And the, the Assault Lander, you could, so like it had wheels on it and it had a hook attached to the front so you could like carry people out. Yes, so you could drag figures around those, with it. Yep. Those mobile, like those launchers, those always broke, right? Always. Inevitably. <laughs> I had yep. one of those the Ninja Turtle vans that shot the pizzas. Yes. It, it broke. Oh, yeah. I had the same one, and I'm pretty sure it broke. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, and then finally, Castle Grayskull, which yeah. was like the creme de la creme with regard to He-Man toys. Um, I did have a hand-me-down Castle Grayskull, and it was Sweet. in really good shape, and I was very proud that I had it. Um, that was one that like I felt very cool that I had a Castle Grayskull. So... And this kind of ties into Star Wars because Castle Grayskull. First of all, it's like iconic. Castle Grayskull is like really cool looking, just the design yeah. of it too, because it's just like a big like weathered skull that, yeah, that you have to defend from Skeletor and the and the boys. Um, but and the boys, yeah, <laughs> and, and Zodak. Castle Grayskull also like you could put all of your stuff in it, it, it and it remind. It's kind of like with those Star Wars, you could put all of your Star Wars action figures in. Was it a Darth Vader head or was it like the Death it was like stuff. a carrying case. It was they, a carrying they, case. Yeah, yeah, you could like store your figures somewhere, which yes. the parents probably liked because you could just they weren't back. lying all over the place. Right. Um, I say this as a parent. Like, I love having like boxes or cases that I can put her stuff in, you know, and keep it kind of organized. You weren't. You're not stepping on the havoc staff. Exactly, <laughs> and, and breaking it or my foot. And the cat's not eating it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. So, but that, that kind of ties into the kind of the Star Wars thing. What Star Wars kind of inspired in some ways. But yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it was it, it was very cool. And like you, it, I think you had like it came with like stickers and a drawbridge and all sorts of. Yep. Things. And I think all the stuff my my one that I got from whoever a cousin or something had all the stuff, which was really impressive and surprising. I think I wound up losing a lot of the stuff, but it did have all the stuff. It was a very cool playset. Um, I was a huge fan. Um, yeah, so let's talk about. So one of the one of the very interesting things I think about the He Man toy line um, when comparing it to other major toy lines of the eighties and nineties, like your Ninja Turtles, your Ghostbusters, and things like that, is He Man didn't have um, a plot to draw from anywhere. There wasn't initially when the when the when the toy line was created. The sh- the show wasn't a thing yet. 
Um, there was no movie tie-in. There was nothing like that. The show came later in the year, and I think there was a DC comic that came later yes. in the year too. A little bit later in the, yeah. in the initial year, eighty-two. Right. Um, but when the when the toy line launched, they didn't have any of that. And when the when the toy line was being pitched to the higher ups at Mattel, um, one of them was quoted as basically saying, "Star Wars has a movie. What do you what do you have to tie this to? What do you have to you know?" to uh, sell these toys. And so they came up with an idea to pair the toys with an in-packaged mini-comic. And the mini-comic would tell you the plot of Eternia and He-Man and Skeletor and stuff. Very cool idea, because most of the time with these toys, if you weren't... uh, If you were... uh, perusing the toy aisle and, you know, mom or dad said, hey, you can pick out a toy... um, Either you knew the property already from watching a cartoon, more most likely, or you had to quickly read the back of the box and get a, a brief blurb about the character or the story. Right. Just that little blurb on the back of the toy box and hope that it was enough to get you excited to buy the toy. With this, you had a whole comic. Um, there were four comics originally released. Um, they were called He-Man and the Power Sword, The King of Castle Grayskull, Battle in the Clouds, and the Vengeance of Skeletor. The Vengeance of Skeletor cover is the coolest one because it has a big, like, big, like, sea creature that it, it's taking on. It's pretty rad. <laughs> um, they're all pretty rad, but yeah, yeah. that one's a standout. Um, these were written by Donald Glutt and illustrated by Alfredo Alcala. Um, so I'm just going to go over the plot a little bit of these comics. This is the initial. We're not talking about the cartoon. The cartoon was definitely more aimed towards a younger audience. It was more cartoony. They threw in characters like Orko, who was kind of a mascot type character. Much in the same way that... Was Orko the little wizard yes. guy? Okay. Yes. Much in the same way that like the real Ghostbusters took what was kind of really more of an adult-oriented movie in Ghostbusters, that first movie, and went, well, what can we do for like a, like a, a mascot type thing? We'll take the green guy from the Ghostbusters movie and make him our, our cute mascot. And that's how you got Slimer as we most people know him anyway um so he-man himself is this like battle-hardened wandering barbarian um and he like did he's part of a jungle tribe and he leaves this jungle tribe uh to wander eternia now the world of eternia is uh kind of recovering from this giant battle this huge war that had like wrecked all these civilizations and um, there's like all there's just uh, technology and magic and weapons left behind and all these things left behind. It's kind of a dystopian land that used to be prosperous. Um, the war, the great battle, has opened up a rift between dimensions, and this evil warlord called Skeletor travels from his dimension into the realm of Eternia. Um, his goal, his big evil goal, is to obtain both halves of the power sword. Um, and when he does that, he'll be able to gain entry into Castle Grayskull. Um, now in the original comics, there's a character called the spirit or or, uh, kind of a a presence called the spirit of Grayskull that gets dropped eventually. But, um, in the original comics, the only thing that's inside the Castle Grayskull is the spirit of Castle Grayskull. Um, but the power is in there when you unlock the castle. So it's kind of an abandoned, uh, um, it's very much what it looks like from the outside. It's a giant skull. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's where you want to stay. So this is where the, I have the power yes, comes right. from. Yes, right. When he gets the right. sword, you would you have to announce it, right? Of course. I right. Mean, as He-Man would do. 
Um, that's where the I have the power comes from is, is obtaining the sword. Yeah. Now, do you remember the cartoon much? Um, he's like, Yes, I so do. He's like, what's what's his name in the? It's Prince, Prince Adam. Adam. So right. yeah, they, so that's not in the comics at all. Right? Yeah, no, He Man is Conan basically. He's kind of a badass that like right. He's too he's too tough for his jungle tribe, so he sets out on his own. He's like, I'm gonna beat up some monsters. Right. In the show, he's a nerd. Right. Uh, named Prince Adam, who occasionally turns into He Man. It's kind of like and a, it's still uh, kind of a nerd. What's uh, what's Thor's name? Donald Blake. Exactly. Kind of, he has an alter ego. Yep. Yes. Well, it's harder to sell to small children on a Saturday morning a wandering barbarian warlord guy. So I think you have to soften it a bit. And that's what they did with the show. Okay. It's another like cartoonizing thing. And it totally makes sense. And for its time and for its age range, uh, I love it. And it, uh, it's, um, I think it's really, it, it's smart. It was smart of them to... In the same way that Ninja Turtles dialed down elements from that comic book, it's smart of them to find ways to make it more kid-accessible and kid-friendly. For sure. Um, yeah, so whoever obtains the control of Castle Grayskull by uniting the two power swords will gain the power to become master of the universe. So contrary to what the title tells you, there can be only one, apparently, master of the universe. Um so He-Man is granted special powers in order to fight Skeletor. He's also given armor and weapons by the Sorceress, um, who is kind of the... She's like the um, the mystical, all-seeing power of good in the land of Eternia, because you right. need one of those, right? You need, you need your Merlin, in okay. a way, right. or your Gandalf, or your whatever, uh, your Obi-Wan, you know. Um, they don't get their hands dirty, but they assist the one who gets the hands dirty. Um, he's assisted by his heroic allies that we've mentioned before, Battlecat, Man-at-Arms, Tila, and Stratos. Um, and then Skeletor, of course, enlists Beastman, Merman, and, uh, yeah, Zodak just, I don't know, sits around twiddling his thumbs. Oh, Sorcerer's like the hawk, hawk lady. She's yeah, got she's like, got a bird, uh, kind of... Now I remember what, her. mask or shawl? Yeah, or? she's got kind of like the, like the Harvey Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the headdress and stuff. And she yeah, does the big wings, and she like spreads them out. Okay, I remember her now. Yes, she is the sorceress. I never had a sorceress. Now apparently she came packaged with a Tila figure, and I never. I had the Tila figure, uh, minus once again um, the armor and stuff that could be removed. But I never had a sorceress, so she must not have survived whatever cousin and I was right. getting these from. All right, Masters of the Universe, the movie, or is it a motion picture? I don't know. It's Masters. This is a movie. It's a movie. Well, no, wait. (laughs) wait, You're right. This might be a motion picture. Is it the motion picture? Yeah. Um, It was released in 1987 and directed by Gary Goddard. Gary Goddard, not a ton of credits to his name. Um, Fun stuff about Gary Goddard. Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. So, a sentence that I'm sure has been uttered many times, but Gary Goddard. He did actually did a lot of theme park like so when you go to like Universal Studios mm-hmm. they have a couple of rides there well they're not there anymore but one of them was the Terminator Two ride it was a yes. it wasn't even a ride it was a it was a show essentially yeah, a lot of those rides are wind up being what almost like interactive movies in their own way right yes yeah. so what he directed before you get in there and you're waiting for essentially the other the group that's in there because you're in a theater and you kind of watch a 3D show and he directed. I believe he directed that show. I'm looking right here, but I know he directed the video show short beforehand, mm-hmm. which is you're in kind of a um, you're in kind of a I don't know like a holding pen basically <laughs> how yeah. to describe it. You're just in there with a bunch of people and you're watching 
a preview and like John Connor is up there telling you like, Hey, we need your help. We're the resistance. We got to stop all yeah, the yeah. bad terminators and stuff. Yep. And we need you to help us out. But he did that. He did a pre-show video for Jurassic park, the ride yep. also at universal studios. And he did one called, uh, for Poseidon's fury, which is kind of also a, um, it's a show based around Poseidon. You just kind of walk through this area and um, different special effects happen as you walk through. So, so he kind of found his niche. Yes. <laughs> and so I am familiar with Gary Goddard's work other than this movie. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Um, this film, of course, was produced by the Canon Group. We won't dig too deep into Canon, but they are kind of legendary uh, duo producers, Golan, Golan and Globus, um, who produced a lot of lower budget, uh, a lot of action, a lot of that's a lower a lot budget of action, action a little bit of horror, horror stuff. Think of stuff like uh, Cobra, missing in action, miss, missing in action, uh, breaking. <laughs> yeah, they had a whole. Did they produce uh, the Conan movie? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. but around this time, they were producing stuff like Superman Four. <laughs> Superman four, yeah, they had a Spider-Man movie in the works that uh, fell apart when the when the group fell apart um, due to this and Superman four, right? Yeah, the, the one two <laughs> combo was not good for for right. the Canon group. Um, the movie was a critical and commercial failure upon release. Um, there were a lot of reasons for it, I'm sure, but I don't think the movie itself can be blamed in all in all seriousness at all times. We have to remember uh, children grow out of things very quickly. And uh, they can be a finicky bunch. And the first toys were released in 1982. This movie was released in 1987, so in five years. Uh, five years worth of He-Man toys and shows and such <clears throat> such odd stuff had been released. Um, this was kind of late in the He-Man craze. Uh, and it was pretty prevalent when you look at the toy sales. Um, profits in the toy line had been $400 million in 86. The following year in 87, the year of release for this movie, they had dropped absurdly far to 7 million in toy profits. So when kids decide something's not cool anymore... It's funny because you can tell modern cartoons and toy lines and all that, cartoons especially, have learned this model. Getting it out? It's four four years because I remember, I think there was a Ninja Turtles cartoon that a lot of people liked a few years back. Yeah. And they canceled it during like its fourth or fifth season finally and that's kind of how they do things. They yep. run the cartoon yep. for four years. They might bring it cancel, back a couple years later in a different form. In a different form. Yep. So another they can hook another group of kids for another few years. But as I think back on it, that's kind of how I was when I was a kid too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I would yeah. like something for a few years and then actually, yeah, a couple years and then I would kind of move yeah. on to the next thing. Absolutely. Because eventually, yeah. you know, when turtles died off for me, I think the next big thing was probably power Rangers. Okay. Yeah. After turtles, maybe I can't remember. Um, that would have been around. <clears throat> that probably yeah. would have been it. Yep. It was power Rangers. Um, he man played by action superstar Dolph Lundgren. Uh, we're both big Dolph fans on the show here, so always good to see some yep. Dolph. Early Dolph. This is uh, after Rocky Four, which was his only uh, big screen role prior to this, major uh, role prior to this. So he's coming fresh off of Rocky Four here. Um, Skeletor, played by the great, uh, really, Thespian. We're going to go ahead and use Thespian for him. Frank Langella, um, known really as one of the great actors of his generation. Yes. Uh, and uh, because of this performance, of course, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I always think Frank Langell is British for some reason. He is not British, by no. the way. Just a heads up. I always assumed he was just a, like a Brit, you know. Um, 
I love Frank Langella, and I love Skeletor, and I love... This is one of my favorite performances of all time. Ever. You have coined a term based on this performance, yes. right? It, uh, it's called a Langella, or a Langella. <laughs> yes. um, I, always, I, I always pronounce his name. Yeah. I don't even know which one the right one is, but uh, yes, the, we're going to call it the Langella. Um, he, uh, it's any time an actor, an esteemed actor... Uh, I'm using air quotes, lowers themselves to something that may not be considered of their uh, their caliber, the, like beneath them, right? But they, despite the fact that they're doing that, they bring it as much as they would in anything else. Like they they go they go for it. I would argue like like a Defoe in the first Spider Man, and not because the first Spider Man is bad, but because back then comic book movies were not tried and true. They were not. Uh, we were coming off of the Batman movies starting to fall apart. Superman had been gone for a long time. The Marvel thing had barely been touched when Spider-Man came out. Comic book movies were not what they are now back then. Right. Unless you were Batman. And this is kind of a, I mean, people didn't really, this is a toy and cartoon thing that they're making right now. This is like based on a toy and a cartoon. So I'm going to say this and I'm going to get some He-Man fans, but Frank Langella was a stage actor. Like he is a, he is a, he is a well-trained, a classically trained actor. (laughs) This is, this is lowering himself to be in a a movie based on a toy line. I'm sorry. Absolutely. By the way, I don't like, I don't think that's controversial to say. It kind of seems controversial though at this point when like now we're in the 2020 acting perspective. There's no doubt whatsoever that he was, that, (laughs) People Not only that, a can in production. Correct. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So, sorry. Yeah, I just had to put um, that put that out there. But uh, he gives it his all. He does, here, and he's so, fantastic. I have a little quote here from Frank because I'm a big fan of him and, and what he thinks about this role. Uh, Frank says, when he was offered the role, he uh, he said, I didn't even blink. I couldn't wait to play him. Um, he cited his four year old son's love of Skeletor running around the house and saying, "I have the power" as the reason why he chose to play Skeletor. Um, he wrote a lot of his own lines because he did not like the script, um, including one of my all-time favorites, which is, tell me about the loneliness of good, He-Man. Is it equal to the loneliness of evil? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome it line. Rules. Only a stage actor. It <laughs> rules. Yeah, yeah, stage exactly. actor, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, this is Courtney Cox's first major role. Uh, she was, uh, I guess, coming off of the Dance in the Dark music video with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Three years after, I believe that was 84. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. not fresh off of it, but she was coming <laughs> yeah. off of it. This is her first major role, though. Have um, you ever seen the uh, SNL skit? Where she's hosting SNL, actually. Yes. I think this is like early 90s, late 80s, okay. maybe. Or And Sandler is playing... Uh, Yes, Sandler is playing Bruce Springsteen. That's doing right, his, doing his amazing. She Bruce. hops on, doesn't she? Stage again and does the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, she like they're dancing yeah. and they cut to Clarence. They just cut to a video clip of Clarence from the video dancing. So sweet, so sweet. I remember this. This is amazing. Um, so many, uh, many people who went and saw the movie uh, try to compare it to the cartoon. In reality, the 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 movie, if it's an ad- adaptation of anything, is the toys. Yes. Um, we have the barbarian style He-Man from those first mini comics. There's no Prince Adam. There's no no Orko. There's very little silliness. Well, ah, there's silliness. There's very little silliness. Kitty silliness, uh, with the exception of um, a character created just for the film, uh, Gwildor who was created kind of as a replacement for Orko. Right. Um, according to Gary Goddard, uh, who has a lovely commentary on the Master of the Universe DVD. Ooh. Uh, he's like the most positive, like just, one, he seems like a, like a delight. Um, uh, 
Yeah, so they... And Gwildor is uh, Billy Barty, right? Yes, Billy yes. Barty. Yep, the great Billy Barty, of course. Yes. Um, so Ed Pressman, uh, who's one of the producers, got interested in the cartoon... Well, in the, I should say, in the property before the cartoon. So that, that gap in between the toy line releasing and the um, cartoon starting, that's when... Um, when the movie rights sold and when things began to, the, the gears began to turn way back then. Um, so these were movie rights specifically for those Mattel characters and not for any filmation characters, which is another reason why you won't see like an Orko in, in the movie. Um, also, they couldn't afford things um, like Battle Cat uh, or Orko for that matter. So they did their own stuff. Um, Fun fact, during the production of the film, there was a contest held to decide which fan of the He-Man cartoon would get a bit part in the film. So that's fun. Kind of fun. And the guy uh, got to play Pig Boy. Yeah, who the heck is Pig Boy? Do you remember <laughs> a, that character? He's apparently Skeletor's minion. In the film? I don't I, remember that character at all. I'm not, I'm not familiar. <laughs> uh-huh. I think he's just, like, it's one of the scenes where Skeletor is being all skeletor and, like, there's he's got a minion next to him, and, and he's just going, Aah. He does, there, That's true. There's a lot of people running around Skeletor at all, at any given time. But, I mean, um, imagine you win this contest. You put your heart and soul into winning this contest. What did he have to do to win this? Do you know? I do not. I do not have the... <laughs> I'm guessing he probably just wrote in. Like, probably. Like, send, in, send in a UPC code from the back of his... <laughs> and then you're at the theater studio. right now for the two weeks as this was playing in the theater, and you're with your friends, and you're just like pointing, trying to find yourself as, as Pig Boy. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, uh, a couple other facts. Uh, the Grayskull Throne Room set is one of the largest. Is was the largest Hollywood set in forty years at that point. That that whole that like that whole thing almost is a set, which is insane. It's really cool. It took up two too. sound stages. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, that's a testament to um, uh, trying to do things practically when you can. You know, um, I think the set design is really, really, really pretty cool. Awesome in this movie, yeah. yeah. And some of the costume designs really cool too. Sure. Actually, um, there was a Mattel mandate for the film. Uh, he Man was not allowed to kill anybody. Hence why they kind of stormtroopered up Skeletor's bad guys, made sparks fly when he hits them and stuff. Right. Because they could pass as robots, certainly. Um, let's see here. Oh, I, want, I wanted to make sure we mentioned that Dolph Lundgren. Not a, a super um, uh, seasoned actor. Uh, he had a major, major thick Swedish accent. And at that point, wasn't even fluent in English. Um, they were going to have the lines dubbed by another actor, but um, there was a clause in Dolph Lundgren's contract that when he signed up for the movie that he would have three chances to redub the lines in post-production. And um, so Gary Goddard, the director, because they were running behind schedule, just used it anyway. <laughs> just used the original, <laughs> which is amazing. And there are moments where Lundgren seems very mumbly in the film, right. I would say. Um, yeah. And you do almost you feel for Dolph. I mean, he's a big, he's a big strapping man. He's a big muscular man. But you can tell, like maybe he's a little bit insecure about his accent too. Absolutely, he's a little bit mumbly at times too. So Absolutely. yeah, you kind of you feel for Dolph. And that's and it's weird. Like Dolph, as he's as he's aged, I think has actually become a stronger actor. I mean, in a lot I of agree. ways, because I think yeah. there is a there's almost a vulnerability to Dolph, especially as he's aged. Like, I think a lot of those action guys from that era have become better over the years. Right. They really have truly become. I think solid actors for the most part. Right. I think Schwarzenegger's done some really cool stuff. Stallone, certainly. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. I want to get through a few more facts before we really, we, we, we dig into the plot and kind of compare it to the, the comic here. Um, 
the miniature shots that are set on Earth, um, the reused buildings left over from Blade Runner and Ghostbusters to fill in backgrounds, which is fun. <laughs> so there's pieces of Blade Runner and Ghostbusters in the back. I like that. That's cool. Um, they, they, uh, Canon was suffering financial difficulties. We mentioned that Superman 4 didn't exactly uh, light the world on fire. Um, so they cut all filming three days before it was supposed to end. Uh, all of the... Um, the final battle and like final Skeletor He-Man fight, like none of that was shot. So after two months, they let the director go back and finish uh, the ending. That's why that final sword fight with He-Man and Skeletor is like weirdly lit and like, cause there was no set for them yeah. to fight on kind of amazing. Um, there was an attempt at a sequel. Um, did, it did not work out. They wrote um, a script for it, right? Yes. Uh, and they had cast He-Man because Lundgren was not going to come back. It was, uh, I believe, professional surfer Laird Hamilton was going to play He-Man. Of course. Of course. As he would. <laughs> um, eventually, the sets that were created for this He-Man Masters of the Universe sequel uh, and the costumes were all used in the production of Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, so I was going to say Cyborg, the JCVD movie, right? All right, all right. Yeah. Hey, well. Oh, Albert Pune. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, a longtime canon collaborator. <laughs> so, fun stuff. Um, with regard to toys, uh, Mattel only released three action figures based on the movie when it came out. Gwildor, Blade, and Saurad. Uh They all came with a little mini-comic called The Cosmic Key, which was kind of a loose adaptation of the movie's plot. Um, there were no He-Man or Skeletor based on the movie appearance. Um, there was one released in 88, so a year after the movie, called Laser Power He-Man. Um, one of the people do say that looks like Dolph Lundgren, um, so that could have been an attempt at that. I don't know why at that point they would even bother trying to tie anything to the movie, because it bombed. Right. Um, there was a new toy line called Classics that ran for six years in the 2000s, up until 2014. Um... There are versions of Gwildor, Blade, and Salrod that were um, created for that toy line and a version of Karg, who is a movie character. Um, but kind of interesting that they all these rights issues. Um, and then finally, there were a couple of figures released um, in 2020, and I missed them and I'm bummed about it, uh, based on William Stout, uh, the... the uh, concept artist for the film based on his concept art designs for he-man and skeletor um oh i'm sorry and, and karg so there was a bit of a loophole where they didn't have to claim they were a movie they were based on the art for the movie right. so interesting stuff anyway um so let's just go there's not a ton of characters strangely enough uh i don't think that we need to talk about um but let's talk about specifically the characters that feature in this film. And, of course, we'll mention briefly if they're part of the toy line or not. We'll just kind of go through. Uh, He-Man. What are your thoughts on He-Man in the He-Man and the Master in the, in the Masters of the Universe movie? What do you think of Dolph? I think he's a lot of fun. I think he... I think he's trying his... <laughs> it sounds Yeah, mean. no, I know. And, like, I... So, I, I, I'll say that I like Dolph a lot. And yeah. I've grown to mm-hmm. like him Me as too. an actor. I've liked a lot of Dolph Lundgren-led movies. And I, Dolph, he's just, I don't know how to, like, he's very wooden, obviously. Yep. (laughs) Like, he doesn't seem like He-Man to me. I don't know why, because I don't know what He-Man is. But 
Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not the He-Man I'd recognize from the cartoon, I Certainly guess. Certainly not that He-Man. No, I can't imagine the, Dolph playing Prince Adam. Like, the Prince Adam type. <laughs> but he can't... Like, Dolph, that's the thing, is Dolph couldn't do that because Dolph couldn't pull off, like, the Prince Adam type. No. He doesn't have the range. No. And certainly at this point, he doesn't have the look for it. No. So, like you said, I think he's trying... You do know you what? buy him as an adaptation of that that kind of wandering barbarian type no, guy? No, I don't. He's too... he's not. He's, he's too heroic, right? He's too pretty. Yeah. He's too pretty for that. So like, he's kind of a weird in-between almost. Yeah, because Arnold I buy as Conan because I like Arnold... Like I don't, yes. but like there's a ruggedness to Arnold. <laughs> and Dolph is almost too chiseled, too too like, chiseled. Yeah. He's a model. I mean, this yeah, is, this right, is a model, right, right. which I think I guess would work maybe for a certain type of human, but not this one. Like, like not sure. like the Conan type that they're adapting from the comics. So I don't want to trash on Dolph too much because yeah. when I was a kid, like this and Rocky Four, I would watch all the time, and like yeah. I loved Dolph. Like I thought Dolph was so cool. But like watching as an adult, I go, yeah, Dolph is kind of he's very wooden and very very oily. <laughs> like he's this, he's incredibly oily in this is, movie. He is wooden and he is indeed oily. You cannot defeat him, man, kidding. because he will just slip off of him as you try to stab him. Yes, or, yeah. you, you can't touch him. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Dolph now as a as an adult? Look, I love Dolph. Um, I do. In this movie, is he great? No, um, he's not. But. I think he does, given all of the limitations he has at this juncture, uh, the language barrier, the thick accent, the fact that the script is not great, um, it's only a second movie, I think he does as about, about as well as you could expect anybody to do in this movie. And I think he should be proud of himself for what he was able to do. Um, but it certainly doesn't strike me as a good adaptation of the comic book version, which was much more of a barbaric character. And it's really not a great adaptation of the cartoon either. So it's its own beast uh, that doesn't quite fit into either realm. I will say before we move on to the next character, I do think that one thing the film adapts really, really, really well from that initial mini comic series with the toys is the world of Eternia. It does feel desolate. It does feel like they've been war-torn for a long time. It does feel like... um, a ruin of what was formerly kind of a beautiful place, doesn't it? You get the vibe that for sure, yeah, for sure, and it does. But it does have that, um, for me at least, that first Thor quality where I want to spend more time in, in that world than where the movie ends up spending a lot of time, which is in yes. our world because our yes. world is so boring. But as an adult, I also understand things like budgets, so. and that was a big part of it. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Uh, guaranteed. Um, We've talked about him a bit already. Skeletor. Uh, Frank Langella is, is, like I said, it's one of my favorite performances of all time. I could sit here and do a whole podcast on Skeletor, but I'm not going to do that. Um, if you want hey, it, request it. it. Go for it. Request it and we'll do it. Um, I'll do a one-man show. Or, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um, no, I think he's incredible. I think he is menacing. I think he's kind of funny. I think he's a little bumbling. You get a little bit of that bumblingness where he's he can't quite get it together, but he's much scarier certainly than the Skeletor from the from the show from the cartoon. This feels more like the Skeletor from the comics, who's like he's like a guy who has been like traveling universes and taking over realms just for like because he he wants to be the baddest, yeah. um, and I believe he could be the baddest. Uh, his lines just rule like a. And most of them, like I said, were were not in the original script, is my understanding. Um, but his dialogue is so sweet, and coming because Langella plays it with such earnestness and such like I, I I watched an interview with him where he talked about the the, the shooting this movie, and he asked um, 
uh, a fellow actor, like, what do I do with this? Because it's not great. The dialogue isn't great. And he and he didn't outright. He's I think he's a classier guy to not outright call out Dolph. But he was saying like I don't I'm not getting anything from my like how I can't. And that the actor I don't remember who they, I don't remember if he actually named who the actor was that he got the advice from. But the actor said, uh, "Oh, I'm sorry. It was um, it was uh, uh, I think it was Paul Newman." Okay. And he said, um, "Just play your character. Don't worry about what Dolph is doing. Don't worry about." Play you are your character and play it and ignore everything else. Just be Skeletor, like be yeah. so rad. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's perfect example. So, like when I say it's beneath him, it's beneath him. But the great thing about his performance is he does not treat it as if it's beneath no, him. He no. treats it as a role. That's a Langella. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a Langella. Yeah. No, I think he's absolutely because I've seen plenty of people phone it in oh. or ham it up like to the point of distraction. But he add his performance as hammy as it can be. He yeah. adds a lot to this movie. Absolutely, yeah. no question. Yeah. So I love Langella. I love the the Skeletor character. Um, he's wonderful. Um, let's, I, real quick, one ahead, last yeah. thing on um, yes. Skeletor because uh, I remember him. I was kind of freaked out by him as a kid. But what I like, he's actually he kind of ties into one of my favorite parts of the movie too. Is there are some great visuals and there's some great like, yes. vibrant uh, colors and it's very bright at times and his costume, his gold like oh, helmet. His disco dance costume? It's yes. like the best parts of this movie are when it reminds me of like a Jack Kirby. And it like, looks book. it looks great out of a dude, <laughs> you're, I'm so yeah. happy you brought that <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, so his his golden helmet and stuff that he wears for the final battle is so rad. It's, it's so, <laughs> so sweet. Um and once again I think that's because Langella carries himself with that uh, that like I'm the baddest in the room. Like yeah. he, he and he believes it because he's mm-hmm. yeah. I will want to say I, I'm glad you brought that up because that sequence, my favorite moment in this movie is Langella just cutting loose when uh, he's got He Man chained up in the throne room and he's been whipped, which is there's a lot going on there. <laughs> um, is very there's a lot of groaning and and oiliness. And yeah, have we ever done any like? Uh like Wonder Woman style deep dive into the creators or like how Wonder Woman the creator was like super into like S&M, S&M? yeah, yeah. <laughs> we done it I, on I, I think that somebody working on this movie maybe maybe <laughs> or the toy line itself or the toy line yeah. I'm not sure um, <laughs> to cast any aspersions here but, but uh, when Langell gives that that, uh, that whole spiel before he turns into the, the golden armored Skeletor and he's like uh, I am that light I am that power I love that whole bit it's so right. sweet he's so cool um, anyway let's move on to He-Man's friends here Let's talk about Tila and Man at Arms, kind of a one-two combo. These are the two characters, other than of course Gildor, who um, uh, join He-Man in his adventures to uh, America, <laughs> to the U.S. To Podunk yeah, do they, Town. do they say? The, I don't remember it has a, uh, where yeah. this takes place. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's any town USA, basically, is what you need to know. It kind of feels like a Midwestern town. It feels Midwestern because there's a, it's, there's got a little bit of that Jersey Tucky quality. Yeah, because there's a little Jersey and a little Tucky. Right, and it, but it's smaller than both. Um, yeah, so uh, they join him. Uh, these, of course, are characters uh, straight out of those initial toys and comics. Um, I think that for the most part, Man at Arms looks like Man at Arms. Like he looks like the toy. Yeah, I think so. The toy. Tila's a badass, right? So she they get that right. She doesn't get her cool snake helmet thing, which is no. Too bad. But can I say something? Uh, Tila, uh, I now that I watch back on this movie, maybe one of my first crushes. I had a crush on Tila. Funny that you say that. Yeah. I think I went. Wow. If I didn't have a crush on Tila, I I I don't I know why I didn't because. <laughs> 
She looks pretty cute. Married to uh, Chelsea Field, the actress, married ah. to Scott Bakula. Oh, very cool. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. The Fantastic. great Scott Bakula. Um, Tila and Man Arms, uh, fun. They play, have some fun uh, play off of each other because he's the, the older dad and she's kind of the the more um, wide-eyed and uh, not naive, but... Uh, Maybe a bit less grouchy, certainly, than, than Man-at-Arms. And I like the, the interplay between the two of them. And I think they make fine companions for He-Man. Um, they're kind of look, yeah, they're kind of fun side characters. I latched yeah. onto them a lot when I was a kid, too. I kind of thought they were fun. Because kind of, they have a couple of like lighter moments as well. And yes. They're the ones that eat the chicken, right? The yeah, so I want to say, yes, yes, they do. Which is a fun scene. And, and there's a lot of fish-out-of-watery stuff in this. Yes. The problem with that in this movie, and I know you're not the biggest fan of, and we're going to mention, I'm going to mention again, Branagh's Thor. No, uh, but, this, but, yeah. but the difference here is that Hemsworth is a very talented actor even in that first Thor movie. He's gotten even better since, but like he is what well, already was. Like we mentioned before, Dolph is not, and so the fish out of water stuff doesn't really work with Dolph because like he's already kind of a fish out of water. <laughs> um, so it's perpetual fish. Out of water. Yes. So with Tila and Man at Arms, you're able to get a Swedish fish out of water. Ah, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Swedish fish. Um, but uh, with Tila and Man at Arms, you're able to get. I think that the the fish out of water humor that lands tends to land with those two and with Gwildor, more so. For sure, yeah. for sure, and I want to real quick on here pitch my uh, idea for a pop up restaurant based yes. on that ribs place because I that thing uh, stuck in choice. my brain. Yeah, excellent choice. Yeah, that bucket. <laughs> excellent choice. Um, I want to talk about uh, the rest of the gang uh, from the toy line and how they play into uh, the film or not or in some cases. Yeah. Um, we do have the sorceress here. Sorceress, uh, I. You know what she reminded me of this go around in this movie, and I, she's uh, the performance is fine. She certainly suits that ethereal kind of all-seeing, all-knowing uh, uh, spirit guide type character for He-Man. You know, and she's kind of the ticking clock, right? She's she, she's kind of fading as Eternia is being taken over by Skeletor, and he's he's to keep her alive, basically, save the day. Um, but she reminded me so much of Judy Dench in the Chronicles of Riddick yeah. movie, right? <laughs> yes well she's also she's also a stage i didn't know that like she's also a stage actress too and she played um uh oh god ross and ray uh ross and um Monica's oh my mom god. in friends no way yeah that's christina pickles it is the her. same actress yes no f- no so way. she plays courtney cox's that is mom so funny. in friends yeah that's so fun i'm sorry that is really funny okay <laughs> thank you for that anyway yeah go- yeah um so the sorceress i like the sorceress she works yep um uh, let's move on to the the final character from the toy line that makes an appearance here in the in the movie is Beastman. Uh, probably the most well known of the uh, henchmen of Skeletor, right? I think everybody, all the people that knew He Man, kind of knew Beastman. Mm-hmm. He's a big, scary, Sasquatchy guy. Uh, what do you think of Beastman in this movie? I don't remember him. <laughs> okay, he's fuzzy. I like yeah, the I makeup. Was say, I, I like what do you say? This movie. I'm trying to picture him in this movie. And I just watch it. I like the makeup. I think he's kind of uh, it, it's 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 a cool looking makeup. It's a cool looking practical effect. He's intimidating and spooky. He's also kind of a dummy. Um, he's kind of the dummy of the of the bad guy group. Yeah. Uh, this bad guy group does a whole lot of hut 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 hut. If you yeah. catch that drift. just a lot of running around chasing after He Man, but not really doing much. Yeah. There are there's maybe one fight with the henchmen that we'll get into shortly here that is kind of cool, but the rest of them just kind of 
he's just very like good at yeah good jobs. Beastman's just kind of like, like I forget. I'm like I'm searching through Google Image search right now to refresh my. But he's yeah. just like kind of a dude. Like he's just Beastman. He's just kind of a dude. Kind of a hairy monster guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does beat up a high school janitor, which is funny. Um, <laughs> I wish he got a fight with He Man though. I wanted to see Dolph fight the Sasquatch. The yeah. Uh, but anyway, it didn't happen. So no, my um, favorite Skeletor henchman is my man with the hair, with the white hair. What's his name? Oh, in this, in the film, a uh, yes. Karg. Oh, we're gonna get to Karg. Don't you worry. Don't you that's, worry. That's the henchman I remember. The rest, get- of these, the rest of these chokers, I don't care. Don't about. you worry. We're gonna get there. Uh, briefly, we should mention that uh, Merman, uh, Stratos, and Zodak do not feature in the film in any way, shape, or form. No. Uh, if you could have seen one of those three guys, who would it have been? Who would you have liked? I mean, Battle Cat's the obvious choice here, in, in with regard to that original toy line. If it wasn't Battle Cat, I mean, the most uh, the most realistic, I guess, would be Zodak looking at the. Who pictures. would you want to see though, Tim? If you if you were able to see any, it'd be Merman, right? You want to yeah, see that? Yeah, Stratos is just kind of a dude too, isn't he? With like a bunch of armor. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of Zodak. Flying. Yeah, it'd have to be Merman because he's like a merman. He's like a Merman creature from the Black Teddy, Lagoon. Yes. Type. Yeah, yeah. You want to? Yeah, that. I guess. But like, even then, like, I would probably forget about him, like I did with Beastman. Like, very true. Because I would be so focused on Karg or whatever. Very true. <laughs> um, let's go through the rest of the the movie only uh, Skeletor minions. Uh, we've got Evelyn. Now, Evelyn was a toy. This later is Meg on. Foster, right? Yes, okay. she was part of the toy line later on, uh, post the initial waves, and she was part of the cartoon. So there is a precedent certainly for Evelyn in the He Man lore. I love Meg Foster. Uh, those eyes, man. She can, she like, anytime she plays a character, she's got this otherworldly quality because her eyes are such an interesting shade of blue. Right. Um, and uh, she plays a really, I think, a really cool kind of cold and calculating number two to Skeletor in this. What I like about her in this is she seems like she's got her shit together more than Skeletor, and she's kind of annoyed when he doesn't listen to her, and she winds up booking it at the end. Like, I'm not sticking around for the fall of this n- dummy. <laughs> So I, I like Evelyn in this. Yeah, I like her. I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, and she's very. I like the scene where she emotionally manipulates uh, Julie, uh, Courtney Cox's character. She like appears as her dead mother. Oh, that is a good scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. But like putting that in a kids' movie is pretty fun. Pretty so. intense. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 you're a Mike Foster fan too, right? Yes, of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, she's good in this, and she holds her own against Langella in those scenes that they have, and that's kind of important too. So. Yeah, she does, yeah. and her costume design is really cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Blade, one of the other, not, unfortunately, not the Blade, of, of course, not Wesley Snipes. Uh, or he, Puppet Master. Or Blade from Puppet Master. This is Blade from this movie. Um, <laughs> played by, uh, one of the, the, the stunt slash sword masters on the film, like the, the head of the, of the, uh, the stunt department. Um, and it shows, he's the one, um, he may, or I should say, uh, Skeletor crony that gets to do any sort of actual one-on-one fighting with He-Man. And it's a cool little sword fight in the... In the well, they have a history together, right? He and Blade, uh, Blade and He-Man? Yes, you get a little bit of their... They don't touch too much into it, but uh, it seems like he, uh, he's the reason... He-Man's the reason why he's missing an eye, right. perhaps. Um, and he does mention, he says, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's a cool little sword fight. It yeah, works. you know, I like their sword fight in this one. I, I kind of... I kind of like some of the action in this, and it's not like super great or anything. It's not like yeah. blowaway stuff, but uh, not to complain about action in a lot of blockbuster movies or big movies to say, but it's all shot very tight and very close up. And this one kind of lets it breathe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not super like intense or anything, but it's also not. I guess I'm just used to being bombarded with CGI heavy stuff. 
Yeah, it's kind of nice kinda, to see. <laughs> it was kind of nice to see just a fight in like a warehouse. It is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You miss it a little bit. Um, I, I, uh, I believe he goes by Tony. Anthony DeLongis is the, um, is the uh, actor who plays Blade. Okay. And uh, he actually trained Dolph in the use of a sword for the, for the movie. So he, he served as Dolph's sword trainer. Um, and he also uh, choreographed both the He-Man and Blade fight as well as the He-Man Skeletor fight. Um, the final battle between those two. The fun part is, in those final battle reshoots that they had to go back and shoot because they didn't have the final battle, DeLongus actually plays Skeletor. Okay. Because uh, Langella did not come back for those reshoots. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I can't blame him. Um, anyway, so yeah, Blade's cool. Uh, last couple, Saurad. Uh, poor Saurad. He's got a very cool like lizardy design, and he's got that cool inflating throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool effect, but he gets blasted by Skeletor like after screwing up once. Right. So, poor Salrod. I liked his design. He was cool. But he was kind of a screw-up. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Finally, our boy Karg. Karg, yeah. Karg rules. <laughs> He's got a sick cape and a and a badass, like, um, pompous, like, hair metal, like, uh, giant like poofy like mullet almost yes he's rad isn't he yeah he's very he's got some like 80s hair he's got some 80s hair metal hair yeah. but he's also like a big he's kind of like a coward to him. oh he's a little, <laughs> little punk yeah <laughs> like, oh, he books it out with evil Lynn at the end he's like ah, i'm gonna hang out with her <laughs> see you later and he's got a hook for a hand he's sweet card rules <laughs> yeah i want to yeah i like maybe that's i just want to know he's got like these yeah he's got the, like these sharp teeth he's kind of like a little uh like a little goblin fella <laughs> he's sweet yeah but, like how did he get to be the leader he seems like the least capable of all of them but he's super well it's because cool. he keeps running away everybody else keeps dying in these battles yeah. and he keeps booking it out of there so he just it's just but like it's survival. like the office space uh <laughs> yes. version yeah, like of, of like yeah, yeah mo- moving up the ladder i like that uh card rules yeah um last couple of characters are human characters um i did not put them on our outline here but i want to mention charlie the music the record shop music store owner uh <laughs> where a lot of the action takes place yes well, that's what you expect when you go to He-Man is a ton of fights at the record store. A shootout store. at a record store? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I, I don't know. Charlie's there, I guess, and kind of funny. Um, we've also got Julie and Kevin, who are our human leads. Um, I will say that I th- do think that the human characters are, are, are interesting enough, especially the Julie character. Kevin, The Kevin character is kind of adult- but he's a good guy. He's just very obsessed with music. Like he's a teenage boy, kind of. Like you know what I mean. He just he likes to play keyboard and like doesn't have a lot of responsibility and seems like. But he, he seems like he genuinely cares for her. He plays um Lieutenant Tom Paris he does. on Star Trek Voyager, one of my least favorite characters at all of Star Trek. Oh boy! <laughs> so there you go. But no, he's he's fine. No, I'm just joking. At this. Yeah. He's, he's he's fun. I, the, the human characters are fine. They don't yeah. add a lot for me. I remember the, the kind of thinking the Julie were, stuff with the parents. I think yeah. is I think it's it's a little bit um darker than you'd expect for a for a Masters of the Universe movie. But I, I do like it actually. I, I think it's. I think it's important. To, I think we miss that sometimes in kids' movies. No, not every. I think the Pixar stuff still does a good job of keeping um, uh, some of those more adult themes. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a show like uh, the show we watch now, Cobra Kai, does a good job does of a being good, kind of a little bit edgier, for, but also a family show. I think, yes, I like that. That's a great example. Yes. So I I, I miss that a little bit. Uh, the, but the best female or the best human character, uh, uh, not human character, the best Earthbound character in this film. Uh, Detective Lubick, uh, 
No, no, no. He, tell me why. Tell me why you love Detective Lou. Because he's so hilarious. Because <laughs> he's he's a moron. <laughs> he's running around with a shotgun that has infinite ammo, by the way. Yeah. And he has no idea what's going on. He's just shouting at people the whole time. He's not good at his job. Well, I'm guessing um, a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that the probably he probably doesn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff in this town. right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. he wants to arrest everybody all the time for no reason. Um, James Tolkien from Calumet, Michigan. Yeah, buddy, yep. James Tolkien. Uh, of course, uh, probably best known for Back to the Future, right? Oh, or Top Gun. Oh yeah, good call. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, great, one of those a great two, yeller yes. actor. A great yeller <laughs> very, actor. Very, very intense looking bad. I yes. think it's the, it's the bald in the eyes. Yes, yes, yeah. very intense. Um, uh, I just, I, li- I like Lubick, and I like that he, uh, I like that despite that he gets uh, very bewildered and caught up in all this madness, he just stays in Eternia. Mm-hmm. It's very funny to me. Right. Like, like he didn't have a retirement plan, probably couldn't afford to retire. On I a, mean, you know, I'm going to be honest, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he had the pension maybe coming, but... Uh, he thought, well, this like is, you mentioned, he's a bad detective. He's not great at his job either, yeah. <laughs> but maybe, like, he's just like, this is my shot. Yeah. Uh, like, I, you know, so uh, when I say I like Lubick, I'm not saying that I like him as a person, but I think he's very funny to watch. <laughs> and I think it's really funny that he winds up in Eternia for the rest of his days, presumably, until they kick him out. Yeah, yeah until he. T- they're going to throw him into some void, I'm sure. Yeah, because they're sick of him messing up. Mm-hmm. Like they rely on him for to keep track of. Mm-hmm. I would assume he's gonna be annoying and try to solve crimes in Eternia. <laughs> Lubick let He Man handle it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention about the movie? I mean, it's uh, we we talked about the characters. The and key. What's that called? The what's cosmic. The key. cosmic key. So, which is basically a synthesizer. A synth- yes, it's a, it's a synth. This thing, which is rad. I haven't seen. Any sort of He-Man. I watched the first episode about a month ago of the Kevin Smith ver- uh, cartoon. Revelation. He-Man. And that is the that was the first He-Man related thing I have watched, oh my goodness, in maybe 30 years. Like it's been so long since I have watched any That's incredible. sort of He-Man. This movie, as soon as I heard the cosmic <laughs> key sound. I got transported. I watched this movie as a kid so many times. My parents would just tape stuff off of HBO or cable or whatever they had. They would just yeah. they had a they had a room full of VHS tapes and then there would be like three movies because you could fit eight hours. So there'd be like three, maybe eh, two or three, four movies on a VHS tape. And I don't remember what was on this one, but I had Masters of the Universe. It may have even been Rocky Four, but don't wow, quote me on that. What a <laughs> don't quote me on that. But it um that this movie I watched so many times as a kid, and as soon as I heard that chime, I just went, "Oh my gosh!" I remember everything that, about this that movie. Little melody or yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just go, "Oh my gosh!" I remember this entire movie. Like the whole thing came. But how cool is that? Back to me. Yeah, so. If nothing else, right? If you got nothing else out of rewatching the film, at least you got that. That's fun. A nice little nostalgia rush. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say, I think that all in all, this is. It's tough, right? Because I do think that this is a I do think this is a relatively faithful adaptation with regard to the Eternia stuff. The tone of Eternia, the look of Eternia. Right. It's a little bit more uh it's a little less cartoonish, a little less kid friendly. Like all that stuff. The problem is it's not a great adaptation when they're on Earth, because none of that is stuff that I don't think many people want to see. Right. Um I, it's, as a kid, I, I was fine with it because I think I was having enough fun with, um, the effects and the, you know, Skeletor and all that stuff. 
to buoy me through. But as an adult, I can certainly see why the fans of the toy line and the cartoon who are already probably maturing out of what those things were, I can see why going and seeing this movie was the probably the last straw for a lot of them because they're like, ugh. Yeah. He just hung out on, at a corner store for <laughs> 90 minutes and then yeah. had a sword fight at the end. You know, so I, I get it. I can see why this certainly was not the nail in the coffin for Masters of the Universe because obviously there's still the property's still alive, but it was for a while. Um, it was the death knell for a while. Um, and I can see why. I do think, like I said, though, I do think that I, I admire it for when you look at the number of um, hurdles this thing had to jump to even like make it to finish form. Um, I mean, the canon financial issues, uh, not having a finished film, essentially, um, having a leading man who was not much of an actor at this point in time. Um, all the effects work, the practical sets, uh, the just when you look at all the issues that that plagued the production and that could have plagued the production, I think that they, I think it's a fun movie and I think it's a nice product of its time. And I've always enjoyed Masters of the Universe, the movie, even though I recognize that it's maybe not classic cinema. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So. For sure. What about you, man? So yeah, I mean, this is—I mean, it's, it's, it, this is—I don't know how to like, approach this. I mean, we're so what, what? So are we doing like what I like better? Like, like sure, are we doing yeah. toys versus you, movies? Are, are you more? Yeah, so, I mean, so the movie is fine. The movie is a kids' movie. Yeah. I don't. It, I think it engages the material on the level that it should. Uh, I mean, for I the think age it, range that would for be, the age yeah. range that it should. Like you, like you said, it was. It came out at just a terrible time because you are missing those kids that got into it. Yeah. And you're also too close for like the kids to grow up and have kids of their own and take them. That's why I think a lot of the like that's why I think the Transformers movies made so much money is because those kids that had played with Transformers were adults then and either they wanted a nostalgia rush of their own or they wanted to take their kids to go see them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You are sure. making this movie at the worst possible time. Yeah. I have fond feelings for some of it, but it's it's mostly nostalgia. Like watching it this time around. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, you know what I'll say? It is a breezy kids movie that is only, I mean, it, and it, it's paced pretty well, like like a lot of canon action movies are, and that's kind of what I dig about them. But it is, it's it's very silly. And, <laughs> and sometimes not intentionally. Not intentionally. So, now, what, I, what do I like better? So here's, and here's my argument for toys over movies, period, and why toys are better than movies. Oh, my. Like I mentioned, I only had three or four of these toys. Maybe three. I had Battle Cat, Skeletor, and He-Man. But what I had was I had the Ghostbusters Firehouse. And oh, I had all the Ghostbusters. What a delight, dude. And I had the Turtles Lair. So I could do... Uh, like, all I had to do was let my imagination run wild. And I could have my own multiverse. And not just multiverse full of, like, Marvel characters. I, I had multiverse... For, I could have Marvel characters interact with the Ghostbusters. Yeah. I could have, I could have yeah. Leonardo meet uh, Spider Man. I could do all yeah. of this stuff. Like I could do all this stuff, and all I had, I could have pro wrestlers in there. I could, I could do. There's whatever. an entire comic book com- comic book company that basically 
does this on a regular basis now. Oh, is, really? Yeah, IDW. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yep. they do all sorts of cool <laughs> yes, crossovers. The, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, do they do the new Masters stuff? I don't know. Or is that boom? I can't. I'll have to check. Yeah. yeah. So I know that, yeah, but... um. So I would I would come up and I remember and this is like I, but I would come up with like my own episodes and they would be like 15 or 20 minutes of me just kind of having my own storylines of yeah. like of like Janine and like He-Man going on a date or something <laughs> or like <Sick. laughs> or like April yeah April and He-Man or April and uh April and like the Jake the Snake Roberts <laughs> hang it out for a little bit oh, so April, yeah. get away <laughs> This isn't current Jake. This is Jake back then. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so I would have those crossovers, but with a movie, and this is a great example of it, you're limited by things like budgets yeah. and investors and and wooden actors and, 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 yeah. and, and things like you and rights issues and all of these things that... Um, and while it's super cool that we've gotten we've gotten to a point now where certain characters can interact with other characters in like Marvel movies, like it can never be as cool as your own imagination if you've just got so a few true. toys. So there you go, my argument for toys over movies. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. What um, about you? I mean, if we're just going toys over movies, yeah. I mean, toys. There's nothing better, man. Nothing better than being a kid and and uh, like you said, making up those scenarios and creating your own crossovers and episodes and stuff. Totally, 100%. Most of mine seem to be like uh, relationship sitcoms. Yeah, you, you, you had He-Man go on a lot of dates, <laughs> which is nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> I must have been watching a lot of, yeah. Very nice. Watching a lot of dramas, were, a lot of sitcoms. You were a, a natural born romantic, Tim. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, toys, man. Toys toys are the best. Uh, that's where He-Man thrives. And, and I do have a very, very special place in my heart for this movie uh, and I always will I recognize its faults uh, but I can't not kind of love it um, that being said the He-Man toys are certainly where it's at those are the original those I think are where He-Man are, is at his best and the beauty of that even disregarding other toy lines and doing cool crossovers which were some of the most fun I've ever had playing with toys like you said is that you could kind of make your own version of He-Man in a way like if you uh, you know if you wanted him to be a little sillier like the cartoon, you could do that with your toys. If you wanted him to be a little more serious, you could do that with the toys. So, yeah, very cool. Definitely the toys, man. But uh, I uh, I do love the movie, so. For sure. <laughs> Tough one. For sure. Um, awesome, man. That was fun. I love talking, uh, talking He-Man. <laughs> Haven't talked to He-Man in a while, so it felt good. Um, what do we want to do? What are we next? doing? Okay, so this is the point in the show. What are we doing? Uh, let's, let, I, this was my last one, so we can do whatever you want now. Oh, my. So if you want to do the book thing you were talking about, we can do that because we have. Uh, are you clear on your books? Like, are you in a good spot to read a new book? Yeah, I'm finishing up this excellent Wes Craven uh, biography right now. Fantastic. But, <laughs> yes. Then yeah, let's do the let's do the Alien Three thing. So okay, we are going to. But here's the trick, Tim. What are we going to do? This is the trick. We this is what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We are definitely going to be reading uh, Alien 3 by William Gibson and Pat Cadigan. This is a novelization of um, uh, William Gibson's Alien 3 script. Never got made into a movie. The question is, are we going to be comparing this Alien 3 novelization to the finished Alien 3 book? Or, or movie, rather? Film, rather? Or are we going to be comparing it to one of the other adaptations of William Gibson's script, Um which would be uh, there's a radio drama, there's a comic book, there's a couple options there. The only reason I would say we should 
compare it to the finished film yep. is for availability's sake. Sure. So I and, am down familiarity. with that. I like okay. that. And we can touch on if if we can do if you want to do extra credit, check out the comic, check out the um the radio drama by Audible. It's on Audible. If you want if you guys want to do any of that stuff, by all means, we'll probably touch on those things. Right. Which is cool. Um we will also probably touch on the Sega Genesis uh, Alien 3 video. No, I'm just kidding. Probably not. Um, that game was sweet, though, but really hard. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking about specifically uh, William Gibson's Alien 3 versus the finished... Uh, I hesitate to call it David Fincher's Alien 3, but David Fincher's finished film, Alien 3. Do you have a cut of Alien 3, the film, that you'd like to watch? Oh, no, you pick this. You pick okay. this. Um... I am going to... I'm going to invite anybody to watch either cut of Alien Three that they would that they would like, um, either the theatrical or the producer's cut. I believe it's called. Uh, maybe it's not the producer. The ex- whatever the extended one is. I I myself am going to watch the extended version, the alternate version for this viewing. But you are welcome to watch either version that you desire. Okay. I believe that I believe that both versions are available for rental. They are definitely available for rental. They used to be on HBO Max, and I'm just going to double-check real quick for anybody that might have that. Um, But I do know they're available for rental from pretty much everywhere. Yeah, there's an Alien 3 Special Edition and an Alien 3, both on Prime. Actually, they're available for free on Prime right now. Oh, sweet. So watch them soon. Yeah. Um, Both versions... There's a 114-minute version that's the, the, the theatrical cut, and there's a 144-minute version okay. that's kind of the extended... Uh, it was the, called the assembly cut. Okay. Um, so check out either version you want to. We'll be talking... I'm going to watch the assembly cut, and I would suggest you do the same, Tim. You got the blue? I do, so you okay. can go ahead and watch it on there. Okay. Um, check that out. And then we'll be talking about William Gibson's version of Alien 3, which uh, I, it, these are very different. Um... Two different versions. Uh, it's not as much of an adaptation as we've done in the past in terms of the book and the movie are not the exact same story, but they are both versions of a continuation of Aliens uh, and Alien by Ridley Scott and James Cameron. So it's going to be fun to see the two different branching paths they could have gone down. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Awesome. Cool. Well, All right. We'll see you next time.